This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And welcome back to the Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Gary Hill, Aaron Goldsmith back. Aaron, it's great to talk to you again. G-Man, good to talk to you as well, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, I've had a lot of fun after our last podcast. Uh, I really enjoyed the last podcast, by the way, especially, I mean, whenever we get a chance to tell mostly embarrassing stories about ourselves, I think that's a good thing. And uh, I, we got a lot of response, a lot of good autograph stories, which is pretty cool. You know, it does go to show you that a lot of people do seek autographs. And getting autographs is scary. As you know, as a man who has given many autographs, <laughs> yes. it's not an easy thing to do. <laughs> no. So we have a couple of recorded stories we're going to play in a few minutes. Uh, one is, I don't know how, I would say amazing is how is the word I would use for the last story we're going to play. I think it is fantastic. I would say uh, all-timer would yeah. be pretty good. Yeah. So... We're going to have that at the very end, so hang on for that one. In the meantime, so I have a bunch of stories in front of me, Aaron. I want to go through a few of them here. And, you know, it's cool. It just got me thinking about, like, how – well, let, let me read this one first. So this is from Grant, who – this is great. Grant, who is 15 and signs – you know, we all have email signatures – his is catcher slash first base, which I think is amazing. I think we should all sign emails with our baseball position. I think that's <laughs> Grant, much respect. That's fantastic. Yeah, I think that's great. So Grant went to FanFest in 2019 and wanted a piece of memorabilia, so went to the used item store and bought a Chasen Bradford locker sign, which is great. Went out for batting practice Chasen saw the locker sign and asked if he could sign it, and he did. And Grant says to this day, they continue to DM on Instagram, which I think is amazing. That is awesome. Chasen Bradford, uh, on what my one of my favorite uh, Mariners dudes list, yes. like he's just an awesome guy. Super quiet. You would never think he's got a great sense of humor. Sorry, Jason. But you start talking to him, and he is one of the funniest guys in the clubhouse. Super hardworking. I was really ashamed of the, the arm injury that he went through, obviously. But I love Jason Bradford and Grant. I'm glad you got his locker sign and his autograph, and you guys are, like, best buds now. Another one from Sarah, and talking about her and her son, who I don't think she uh, – We I would say who the son is, but it's, it's not in here. But uh, – Tim Lopes was taking BP, broke his bat, and then handed it through the fence to Sarah's son, came back later, signed it, had a picture taken, and now Tim Lopes is the number one fan of Sarah's son, which got me to thinking it is amazing how a player in their, you know, five seconds of a day 
can completely change a kid's life. You know, I mean, just an act like that completely changes their life. I, I wonder, I wonder how easy or hard that is for certain guys to grasp because obviously right. every player was a kid at one point and they probably loved baseball and went to the ballpark looking for autographs. And I wonder how many of them can remember what that was like as let's say an eight or a 10 year old or whatever the age might be. Cause you're right, right. Five seconds. And that's something that a kid will remember the rest of their life. So good for Tim Lopes, who, by the way, probably best teeth hair combo on the team. Ooh. I would say well, that's a upcoming, which is very, very like. it's very niche, but it is an emerging market. I think. Yeah. You, you think we should have a podcast on that coming up? Well, I, I mean, I, it'd be short. It would just be Tim Lopes. I mean, if we wanted to go through, you know, two, two through 24, 25. Nice. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think uh, I don't, I can't think of somebody who's got a better combo than Tim Lopes on that. Who, by the way, Brandon Bishop cuts his hair. I cut my hair now, too, as it turns out. So I guess we have that nice. in common. And it, and it looks it looks remarkably different than Tim Lopes's. <laughs> uh, this one's from Nick. Nick wrote a good one too and you know, what, what's cool about his story he talks about d gordon you know, he got autographs from d gordon and mitch hanniger and felix hernandez which is great but he talks about d just taking some extra time and chatting and having picture taken and i mean just really going above and beyond and he sent me the picture and it's just fabulous and i mean it's no surprise this is what d does and the kind of person he is but it's just so cool and the picture is fantastic that is very, very cool. It does not surprise me that D would do that. And that makes for what for whatever random reason, that makes me think of D Gordon, Gary hit hitting off of a tee at like midnight at T Mobile yes. Park when the sprinklers are going off and you walk into your car and like did you offer to shag for him? Yeah. So I mean that is something that I'll never forget. Because I'm doing post game, right? And you know, when you get forty five minutes into a post game, uh for a night game, there is not a soul around. It the lights are off, the stadium is empty, and I am it, it always feels like I am just talking to myself like the only person on the face of the earth. And that game, you know, the game's well over. We're deep into this postgame show, and all of a sudden D Gordon comes out and he's just hitting balls off a tee as I'm doing post game. <laughs> which I I've never seen anything like that before. And, you know, I wrap up post game. He's still hitting and because he was hitting the balls and then just kind of slowly walking to the outfield. And some of the sprinklers were on at this point. He's kind of dodging the sprinklers <laughs> and just picking up the baseballs, kind of dragging his bucket behind him. And I'm on my way out and I just passed by the field. So I ducked in the tunnel. Hey, D, do you want me to shag for you? Because, you know, shagging on T-Mobile Park for a Major League Baseball player is pretty would be pretty cool. But he's like, no, I'm fine. I'll just do it myself. I'm like, okay. I don't know how long he was there, but I was gone. <laughs> <laughs> but I will never that is forget terrific. it. I've never seen anything like that. So I like this story. And you'll I, never oh, see that again. No. Yeah, so, what's next? So Katie D, this is great. This is from Spring Training 2015 and was with her dad for an early birthday present. And they were kind of sitting up at spring training, kind of above the bullpen. And they yelled down to Fernando Rodney that they were celebrating her birthday. So he waved. He grabbed a baseball, and everyone in the bullpen signed the baseball. 
which is a very Fernando Rodney thing to do. <laughs> I just, I, uh, I, yeah, I, Fernando, I don't even know where to begin with Fernando Rodney, which I think a lot of people probably begin statements about Fernando Rodney in that manner. Um, Gary, it does make me think of the greatest Fernando Rodney story ever. I hope you're going to tell it. Yeah, I have to. Well, Good. I'm very gl- grateful. Good. You said it was Katie was her name? Yeah, Katie D. I mean, yeah, Katie D. That's awesome. Fernando is like a really nice, pretty outgoing guy and like speaks good English. And I mean, it, what, truthfully, Gary, I think you'll agree with this. When his career is over, I mean, it's going to be one of the, I don't, know, I don't know, this might be too strong to say, like one of the greatest relievers career of all time. But like his longevity and production, it's amazing. It is amazing. Isn't it? it? Yeah, it's incredible. And, you know, when you say it out loud, it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> but, I mean, the thing about it is when you consider the shelf life of a normal reliever. I mean, we've seen relievers that burn bright and then gone, right? Charlie Fur- Charlie Furbush. I mean, yeah, be- between injury and just for whatever reason, uh, relievers just... Yoervis Medina. Yeah. Gary. I mean, yes. There's a million examples. Meanwhile... He, you know, he didn't get to the big leagues at 18 either. He was 25, but, you know, 2002, the last year, 17 years pitching out of bullpens and pretty effectively along the way. Yeah. A ton of games. Yeah. I, th- I think this was probably, this was about whatever the second year was, I think, that Fernando Rodney was with the Mariners. I I was with him on a Mariners uh, education day, which is something that we do every year. Everybody on the team does it. The broadcasters all go. We split up, and it's groups of roughly five to seven players and a broadcaster. And we go to schools all around the region, the area, within like roughly a 30-minute drive of the ballpark because we're leaving uh, around lunchtime and we, we go out and we give a, a talk to a local elementary school. Then we all drive back and the guys get ready for the game and we go up to the broadcast booth and get ready for our work. So it's a really great thing that the Mariners do in season. You don't see guys uh, doing that type of thing before a game, but the Mariners do it once a year. And we give this speech called the dream dream speech. And it tells you how to stay drug free and, uh, respect yourself and other people's and and other people and how to get your education and stay motivated and have a great attitude. And every player in each group gets a letter and a broadcaster gets one of the letters too. And you know, as a broadcaster, you kind of help to moderate the whole thing and set it up. And then you do a letter and then you kind of hand it off. And one player does D and then R and then E and, and so forth and so on. And Fernando, I said he's speaks good English you know some guys from from Latin countries are, are pretty nervous and shy and sometimes they won't actually speak in that setting and you can understand why especially if they haven't been in the country for very long but Fernando as we mentioned had has been around for a while and been in the country for a long time and so he's comfortable he was, he was a very confident speaker which was great to see and he had the last letter uh, he was on M from for motivation and to kind of cap it off he started going down the list of letters and people and kind of going down the line. And it was, it was kind of cool that he was kind of putting a bow on the whole thing. 
And so he starts going player by player, right? And he says, guys like me and guys like Robbie Cano. And then he goes down the line, you know, Kyle Seeger. And he goes down the line to the next player and then to the next player. And as he's doing this, I'm thinking to myself, you know, this, this isn't good because <laughs> I'm at the end of this line. And I mean, I've, I've talked to Fernando a number of times, but I don't think Fernando really knows my name. I, I'm actually, I guarantee you, he does not know my name. And so he does Keno, right? And he does whoever's next Seeger and he does the next guy and the next guy. And then he gets to me and he pauses and he goes, and this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Which I was, I thought it's pretty decent improv skills from Fernando yeah. and all the adults know what's going on and all the kids probably, they probably don't know who I am either. Uh, <laughs> but it was, it's my long lasting Fernando Rodney memory. And it's a, it's a pretty good one. I think. I love that story. And I mean, Katie, Katie's is probably better, but, but, but I'll take mine as well. And that's when you injected, Oh no, it's Eric with a C Eric with a C. That's what <laughs> Fernando has a ring now too, which I think is great. That is very cool. Yeah. Good for him. Oh, oh, this is a good one. Uh, this is from Jeff. And this was from 96, and he was with his three-year-old son. And this is another one where they were, I think, behind the batting cage. And this is a long story, but it's good. Griffey, I mean, the short of it is Ken Griffey Jr., you know, takes his time to not just kind of sign something. Like, he actually takes, like, ten minutes and just has this long conversation and then eventually tells them to meet in the parking lot at one o'clock, a specific time. And then he comes out with a signed bat and ball, which is amazing. What? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, first of all, BP takes the time to have the conversation and then, you know, hey, meet me at back, essentially. And then comes out with a signed bat and ball, King Griffey Jr. How great is that? I guess Junior, Junior was just so happy that somebody finally wanted his autograph. Yeah, that's never happened before. That's amazing. Right. That's yeah. that's amazing. What yeah. a story. This is a good two. It's from uh, the summer in 2001, a series against Baltimore. This is from Sean, who was carrying around a 2001 All-Star game ball. You know, blue and green stitching. You know, 2001 All-Star game was in Seattle, and that's the game where Cal Ripken Jr. hit the home run, and 2001 was his last season. So his story is basically he's there early, right? And he is spending the time, you know, essentially near the dugout during warm-ups, just doing everything possible to get Cal Ripken Jr.'s attention, you know, waving him down, and Cal's signing and then walks away and comes back. Eventually, he got the 2001 All-Star Game Ball signed right on the sweet spot which I think is incredible. Whoa. I know. Isn't that great? And as he knows, Cal has a gorgeous signature. Yeah. I mean, it is a beautiful signature to get. Uh, that's very, that's fantastic. And that's uh, one of a kind is too strong, but I have not seen too many Ripken uh, Safeco Field 2001 All-Star Game balls floating around. That's pretty rare. I, I think, yes. I think that's incredible. And then it was the last thing he signed before he ran off. I think that's so cool. So that story. Well, and and that he's and that he signed it there. Yeah, right. I mean, right? Just from yeah. That is very cool. He didn't sign it in some you know showroom, 
you know, five years later. The right. fact that he signed it there adds a little nostalgia to it as well. Yeah. So that reminded me of a story that I didn't tell. I had forgotten about it, this, this, but it jogged my memory. So this is 1996. So for a little context, this is me trying to get an autograph. It was I was at Fenway Park in Boston. And for context, so far in my baseball life, I had been to Major League Games at the Kingdom and one game at the Oakland Coliseum. So as you can probably imagine, Fenway seemed pretty great to me in 1996 <laughs> like i'm just a kid it's i mean this this is amazing so i am there early the mariners are playing the red Sox, and you know i'm there gates open right i remember i wasn't really an autograph kid but you know i'm there uh watching warm-ups just kind of there in the front row right by the dugout just kind of hanging out basically just watching the mariners and then as it happens, you know, there's some other people around at that point, but uh, Alex Rodriguez starts signing, right? And he's kind of going down the line. And I'm like, wow, Alex Rodriguez, who, you know, at the time, 1996 was his first full season. He appeared in, in 1995 with the Mariners. But uh, at the time, everyone knew he was going to be a star, right? But 96 was, I mean, he... He nearly batted 360. He won the batting title, you know, second in MVP voting, you know, 54 doubles, nearly 40 homers. I mean, he was 20 and had a massive season. And, you know, he was a star, a star at that age already. So he's signing stuff. I'm like, wow, I'm going to try and get Alex Rodriguez. I have nothing to sign. I didn't prepare anything. So I take out my Fenway Park ticket stuff. And he's coming down the line, and I was like, this is going to be cool. Alex Rodriguez is going to sign my Fenway Park ticket stub. And he's like two people away at this point. And then he, he turns and starts to run back to left field to warm up. And out of desperation, I yell, Alex, I'm from Seattle. <laughs> 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 Which did nothing. It didn't do anything. Oh. And I had my ticket stub out. And, like, coming the other direction, I wasn't aware of it. The ticket stub is taken out of my hands. A Mariners pitcher signs the ticket stub. It wasn't Alex Rodriguez that signed it. I have an autographed Fenway Park ticket stub from Edwin Hurtado. <laughs> <laughs> do you okay do you still have that i absolutely still have that that is a i'm amazed that you still have that i still have it i i, I in fact i just saw it today that's incredible edwin hurts now when you say it was taken out of your hands like i mean you you gave it to him right like yeah, you saw him come because... in or did you it was kind of sticking out, and I was looking to the left, waiting for A-Rod to come oh, down okay. my way. Edwin Hurtado was coming for the right. I just wasn't – I didn't, like, see him there, and all of a sudden he's got the ticket stub, and Edwin Hurtado is signing. signing oh, my, my gosh. Ticket. So he did force his signature on the ticket stub. You didn't give it to him. He No, no. He I, was like, like, this guy, I was this really, guy wants Edwin's signature. Yeah, no, I was, I was happy for him to take it. It's just, you know, A-Rod <laughs> – 
I don't know. But I don't know, Gary. I gotta say, as years have gone by, I think it's a better story that Edwin Hurtado ended up signing my ticket stub. I completely agree. That's amazing. Do you want That's a great story. How did you forget about that last time? I know. I don't know how I forgot about that. And it's funny, too, because uh, to my point a few minutes ago, how, like, one player's two seconds changes, you know, perception forever. Like, Edwin Hurtado, had he not signed that ticket stub, he would have just faded into, like, every other Mariners bullpen pitcher from the 90s, right? I mean, you know, Hurtado. Hurtado in two years pitched in 29 games. Do you want to take a stab at his Mariners ERA in two years? <laughs> uh, was it uh, was it, was it over seven? Yes. Oh, eight eight point four three. Yeah, that's too high. It's eight point one zero. So, Ugh. you know, but I I look at that ticket stub and it, it would have been it would have been great. It'd be great if you if you could run into him again and he could write his Mariners ERA <laughs> on the ticket stub for you. <laughs> That would be great. I'm sure yeah. he would take. I'm sure he would take that in stride. Oh, I'm sure. Kind of like, you know, you know how like somebody would sign MVP or All Star or no hitter or something. Yeah, <laughs> sign your ERA. So that's my Edwin Hurtado story, who I think of very fondly. As you should. So now we're going to get to recorded one, and what I like about this is, this is a ten-year-old fan Jonas who's recording this who really wanted Ichiro's autograph and here's a story hi my name is Jonas Rogers I am 10 years old I live in Seattle my autograph story is I was at spring training in 2019 with my dad and my brother we were there for just a few days I knew that Ichiro was going to be there, and it would probably be his last spring training as a player, so I wanted to get his autograph. The first two days we were there, there was an insane mob of people pressed against the fence. As a nine-year-old, I had no chance. On the third and final day, as soon as we arrived to the practice fields, I ran over, planning to fight my way through the crowd. It was my last chance to get Ichiro's autograph. When I got to the fence where the crowd had been, instead I found a nice organized line put together by an usher. I ran to the back of the line and waited. My dad and my brother went to play catch, and I waited. I waited a hour, and then Ichiro came out and started signing autographs. My stomach was in knots. I was afraid that he would be done before it was my turn. I got to the front of the line. I handed him my ball. He signed it and handed it back. Then he looked up at the remaining line and said, I gotta go, and jogged off. I was the last one he signed for that day, and I was feeling awesome. I went to go find my dad with a big smile on my face and a priceless ball in my hand. It is one of my favorite things I own. So... Jonas got some help from Joshua, but Aaron, I think that's pretty great. Jonas told his own story on the air. Well, I I feel like Jonas will be coming for our jobs one day. Jonas, congratulations. It's awesome that a, there's a 10-year-old listening to our podcast. It's great that there's somebody listening to our podcast, let alone yeah. a 10-year-old. Uh, it's great to see that. And congrats, uh, Jonas, on the signature. And as he has learned, 
and a lot of people who have gotten an Ichiro autograph have also learned, Ichiro has one of the most unique autographs, I would say, almost that I've ever seen. Yeah, I Especially when right. you compare it to who he is as a guy. Yeah. I mean, right, everything is meticulously in order. Nothing is out of place for Ichiro. It's all just every T crossed, not in his autograph, but in life, eyes dotted. And yet his autograph looks like a hurricane took over a blue Beck pen and then wrote 51. And then that's it. It is, <laughs> it is, it is just, it's almost ridiculous. His autograph, it makes no sense compared to how everything else in his life seems to be. What do you say? Yeah, I think that that's a perfect description of what it looks like. That's right. And when he gets into the Hall of Fame, I'm curious, will it be just this total monsoon of, of scribble within clearly written out HOF, HOF and the number 51 and the year that he goes in? Or will it just be part of... We'll just, just be, be part, part of it. Part I know. Yeah. I'll just be part of it. I don't That's know. It's a good question. I guess we'll find out. But it's a unique autograph. Uh, maybe in five years. I, I, watching him in sp spring training, I still feel like he's going to try and come back as a pitcher when baseball resumes. But uh, I guess I guess <laughs> Cooperstown <laughs> clock has finally started, I guess, this year. So we'll find out soon. Oh, there, there's one more story that I want to share with you, which I think is really funny. Uh, this is from Gary, not me, who went to the kingdom in the early 90s, and they had, like, an autograph session. So there was a, an autograph line before the game. And they were each in different sections and different players would go to different sections, and Gary was there with his brother. And unfortunately, they really wanted Griffey's signature, which is no shock, but Griffey did not come to their section. But afterwards, Gary tried to convince his brother that he alone got Griffey's signature. And I wish I could share this picture that he sent along with it because it's this just kind of piece of paper. It's like half the size of a notebook piece of paper, it looks like. And you can make out like three different players' autographs, like legit adult autographs. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then in the top corner, you see... Ken Griffey Jr. written in like seven-year-old script. <laughs> and that's what he tried to use to convince his brother that he got Ken Griffey Jr.'s autograph. And it is the funniest image ever. You know, I'm guessing that didn't work. Griffey, by the way, who has a spectacular autograph. It yeah. is gorgeous. Yeah. Well, he's had some practice at it. But yes, it is. He has definitely had some practice. It's spectacular. Especially with the, the HOF and the whole thing, it's pretty great. I'm glad that they, they still uh, still have that piece of paper or at least a picture of it. That's I what know. I'm to. It's really for, good. For the, the uh, comedic value alone. Oh, it's so funny. I wish I could share it with everyone, but you, and hopefully you can picture it because it's, it's really funny. So we've gotten to our, our second recording, uh, recorded autograph story. And Aaron, this one is really funny. This one is really, really good. It comes from uh, Pete. You can follow him on Twitter, at Mariner Magic. He's a really, really entertaining Mariner follow, as we have learned. And Pete, kind of like uh, your pilgrimage out east to Fenway Park, when he was uh, a little kid living out in the Seattle area, 
went on a family vacation that went through New York and then on, on to Boston. And he went to Fenway Park, and it just so happened that the Mariners were in town in Boston playing the Red Sox when he and his family were there. And this is his story of autograph-seeking, at first going perfect and then going completely awry. I have never really been a big autograph hound, but I do have a funny and, frankly, pretty embarrassing autograph story from my childhood. Uh, It happened in the summer of 1992. As all of my sports stories do, um, it included my brother Noah. I was 12 at the time, and he was 9. We grew up in the greater Seattle area and were just massive, huge sports fans. And we, along with my parents, went on a cross-country trip to New York and Boston that summer of 1992. It was the first time we'd ever been east of, like, Yakima let alone New York and Boston. So we were just so excited among all of the U.S. history landmarks and things our parents wanted to show us. We had two really cool sports things we were excited to do. The first one was kind of a little bizarre, but knowing that we were 12 and 9, perhaps understandable, we were wanting to track down the 1989 Ken Griffey Jr. Upper Deck Rookie Card the coveted one that everybody wanted, but we had saved up all of our pennies to purchase this um, as kind of a dual purchase, a brother purchase. And we thought since we would be in Boston, we had this brilliant idea, we could get that card outside of Seattle on a discount, which yeah, I suppose is solid, fairly thrifty logic for kids our age, Uh, but bizarre and mildly embarrassing logic as an adult, I suppose. We actually did find the card and were quite pleased to purchase it for, I think, 40 or 45 bucks. But the other thing we were excited to do in Boston, of course, was to go to Fenway Park. The Mariners happened to be in Boston at the same time. I think it was August 23rd, 1992, Sunday afternoon in Boston, boiling hot, humid as it could be, um, at least for a couple of Pacific Northwest pansies like me and my brother. We were facing off against Roger Clemens, and we just lit him up. It was awesome. We thought, hey, we're at Fenway Park. Let's go see what we can do. We had a couple of baseballs with us. Let's go see if we can get some autographs. It actually started out really well. We were able to track down a few Mariners. We had Kevin Mitchell and Dave Cochran, who was a utility player at the time, and also Pete O'Brien. We've got these three signatures on one of the balls and then another ball waiting in the wings, ready for whatever's to come next. A few minutes later, up walks Edgar Martinez, and we about passed out. In 1992, obviously, Edgar was in the middle of his third straight season of hitting over 300 and was now chasing down the AL batting title. My brother and I were actively following every single day in the newspapers, obsessively pouring over his batting averages and all of the other leaders at that point. Uh, listening and watching every single game, rooting like heck for Edgar to be the first Mariner ever to win a batting title. And we hand him the unsigned ball, and he signs it. And it's a dream come true. And this is just the best day ever. The Mariners beat Roger Clemens, and we got Edgar Martinez to sign our ball. And this is where, in retrospect, I think we really should have quit while we were ahead. However, we did not throw in the towel at that point. What's more, as we waited, 
we got to talking with some of the other folks around us. One particularly friendly man, uh, it turned out, was the uncle of Mariners rookie pitcher Dave Fleming. Dave Fleming was on fire. He was a rookie pitcher, just like taking the league a storm. Just a great young pitcher, appeared amazing future ahead of him. And so we thought it was super cool that we were chatting with his uncle. And he was asking us questions, and he was so impressed that we'd gotten Edgar Martinez's autograph. In our blind, naive youth, like our stupid, stupid youth, we somehow got the idea in our heads that we should have Dave Fleming's uncle's autograph. Now, to his credit, he was a very sweet man, very kind. He did everything he could do to save us from ourselves. He said, no, 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 no. You do not want my autograph. I am Dave Fleming's uncle. I'm not even Dave Fleming. You're going to devalue your, your, your ball here if you have me sign it. Just very patient and kind with us. And yet, even with a moment to pause and to deliberate with my brother there, we went back to him again and asked him to sign the ball. To this day, I have no idea why or what we were thinking. We handed him the ball, and not the Cochran O'Brien Mitchell ball. We handed him the Edgar ball and asked him to sign it. He tried again to convince us, but we insisted, and with kind of a sad and sheepish look on his face, he signed that Edgar ball. And to me, after all these years, the funniest part of it is that I don't even know his name. He did not sign his name. He signed the literal words, Dave Fleming's uncle. And if you turn the ball over, it says Edgar Martinez. That is the story of how two over-the-moon Mariners fanboys and their baffling, just ridiculous decision to force Dave Fleming's uncle against his will to desecrate a perfectly beautiful Edgar Martinez autographed baseball. That year, Dave Fleming finished third in the AL Rookie of the Year voting, and his career fizzled shortly after, and Edgar Martinez won the batting title and went on to the Hall of Fame. Obviously, Gary, <laughs> you have to feel good for him getting uh, Edgar's autograph, yeah. but um, the fact that Dave Fleming's uncle literally wrote Dave Fleming's <laughs> uncle on a baseball, I think actually makes that baseball... Uh, not to a collector more valuable, but uh, for people like us, more valuable because that is truly one of a kind and just phenomenal. Oh, for sure. I I think that is incredible. I love that. And I feel like, I kind of feel like, you know, going back to our original podcast with the Edgar Autograph Bat, I mean, I feel like I have a lot in common now with Dave Fleming's uncle. I, In fact, I should have signed the bat. Dave Fleming's uncle. <laughs> Don't you also love uh, Pete and his brother, the little businessmen, thinking that you could get the Griffey rookie card cheaper outside of the Pacific Northwest, like on the, like on the East Coast, like they hadn't, they didn't know yeah. how great Griffey is, and the card will be half off. <laughs> they might not even know who he is. I mean, who knows? Yeah. We might, we might just even be lucky to find the car, let alone buy it for a cheaper price. Uh, uh, but that is a fantastic story, and I will never think of Dave Fleming the same. And, you know, his uncle tried, man. He tried. Yeah. He tried hard. That's a, that's a great story. This was fun. This was 
I really enjoyed this, getting getting people's stories. In fact, uh, we're going to have one coming up, too, that's going to be really good. We already have our jumping off point. I don't want to give too much away, but it's essentially, how would you describe what we're going to do next? Like happenstance Mariner meetings, essentially, like out in the world? Yeah, like Mariner's meetings in the wild. Like, <laughs> yes, like when, in the wild. When you, see your, when you see your teacher outside of school, like when you see a Mariner, or, like, you know, if, if you've got a great Seattle athlete that oh, maybe played yeah. whatever for the Sonics or the Seahawks, like we'll expand it slightly because um, these are this is probably a little tougher to come by. Right. Uh, but if you had a happenstance encounter or interaction with a Mariner or Seattle professional athlete that – uh, you really remember for reasons other than just a, hey, I ran into Griffey and I thought it was really cool. Like there was something to it, some meat on that bone. We'd love to hear about it. Yeah, because our jumping off story coming up next next podcast is really great, really great. It will not be. It will not be topped. I can't. I'll go out on, on that far. If it does get topped, it's going to be amazing, amazing because this is yeah. great. I'm looking forward to because it. Because I also I also I also give a tease. It involves, I think, Gary, one of the all time uh cult follow fan favorites in Mariner's history. Is that too strong? No, that's not too strong at all. Okay. In fact all that right. I mean that's that should be part of our conversation next because it's a very short list that he's a part okay. of. So I'm glad you agree. Yeah. Oh, I agree a hundred percent. Okay. So we'll do that. We'll do Good. that next time. I'm looking forward to it, G. This was fun. Thanks for coming on again. You got it, man. Good, good talking to you. See you later.